I've been getting in my steps, lifting weights, and now I'm trying really hard to get as much protein as I can. That's why I'm excited about trying Clean Simple Eats because they're just that, clean and simple. Their protein powder is always grass-fed with no seed oils or artificial ingredients. It's third-party tested and non-GMO and gluten-free. They've got 26 delicious all-natural flavors. You really can't go wrong with any of them. They've got Simply Vanilla and other unique flavors like cookies and cream, caramel toffee, and even cinnamon roll. I have a feeling my entire family may just like Clean Simple Eats protein powder, and they're probably going to use it every day because it's so easy to put into your milk or a recipe my daughter loves to bake or in a smoothie, which my son loves to drink almost every day. You can It's amazing really in any form. Visit cleansimpleeats.com and use the code ASKLISA20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's cleansimpleeats.com with the code ASKLISA20 for 20% off your first order. Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. This is Ask Lisa, a podcast to help people understand the psychology of parenting, now in the midst of a pandemic. Psychologist Dr. Lisa Damore, author of two New York Times best-selling parenting books, takes your questions. And I'm co-host Rena Ninen, a journalist and mom of two. Some of what we talk about comes from raising children ourselves. Most of the time, I'll be getting answers to your parenting questions. So send your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. Today, we talk about how to manage feelings of helplessness and hopelessness. So I feel like today I just need some reassurance from you. And I don't know how you get out of a spot when you feel like you just can't get up again. And I'm realizing so many parents feel this way about not being able to get up. And it's such a critical time back to school. And then I found this email Mm -hmm. that a mother sent us from the South. And by the way, the emails have just been incredible coming in. We'd love to hear from you. And in this email that I'm going to read you, I've changed some of the details, the personal details, but not the gist of the email, just so this person is not able to be identified. The mom writes this, I'm a mother of an only child. He's a nine-year-old boy. I'm also a teacher wading through the challenges of online teaching. I've never worked so hard in my life. I've been consumed by work for over a month. My son comes to school with me every day and has his own workstation. He does his online classes with his teacher as I teach my kiddos online. I've been an awful mother lately. I feel I've neglected him, didn't shield my stress from him, and haven't given him the outlet of play lately at all. How do we parent and work through this pandemic when we're all in each other's presence 24 seven? 
How do we take healthy breaks while showing support for one another? How do I share my teacher time with my mom time? I've been an educator for 20 years, and I've never had trouble separating the two until this year. Thank you, Dr. Lisa. Uh, Okay, so this is heartbreaking. Um, I'm moved by the letter. I'm also, um, we're all in this place of dipping in and out of how incredibly difficult this is. And that letter takes us right into the heart of it. There's a straightforward question she asks at the end, just about how do we take a break? We're together all the time. And that in some ways feels like relatively easy to answer around just probably just saying, kiddo, I love you like crazy. I know you like me. And we were not meant to be together 24 hours a day. So let's each have some alone time and just really make it no big deal. But there's something else here that's bigger about how this mom feels like she's a bad teacher, a bad mom, has not taken care of her boy in the way that she wants to, can't see the exit strategy for this hard time, and clearly feels worried and guilty about what this is like for her son. Totally. And I think for me personally, as a parent reading this email, it makes you see what teachers are also juggling in a way that I want them back in school five days, you know, get them back in the classroom. And then you're seeing from a vantage point of what this teacher has been going through and the guilt she feels for her own child. Yeah. I mean, it's not like most teachers can just devote themselves entirely to their students, though they want to. (laughs) They also, many of them, have their own kids and families they're trying to take care of without all of the infrastructure that makes work possible for adults. And and I think just the loss of that infrastructure is you know, warrants 14 hours of lengthy discussion, which we won't do here. I want to say to this mom that there are ways to get kids through irreducibly painful times. That we we know this in psychology, that it happens in development sometimes that kids are put in positions that we would never want them in. It can be things like, you know, a very hard divorce or the death of a parent, you know, that we, we've we've never done COVID before as psychologists, but we've done other protracted, difficult to brutal circumstances, and we know how to buffer it for kids. And And what I'm thinking about here is something I learned in my training when kids are in really difficult circumstances is if you can solve the problem, solve it, right? If it's a fixable thing, fix it, right? So it can be something in a divorce, for example, where the kid is forgetting to bring their toothbrush back and forth. Okay, just buy two toothbrushes, right? Like that's the easy answer. So if you can fix it, fix it. If you can't fix it, maybe the parents are in ongoing disagreement or, you know, obviously we can take it to COVID. So much of this can't be fixed. The solution, which seems small but goes far, is that the child needs to feel that somebody gets it, how it feels for them to be in this situation, that we are feeling with the child and making that clear goes surprisingly far toward helping 
make difficult situations bearable for children. So what would you say, Lisa, that really looks like? So what it looks like is that we voice what we imagine their experiences. So in the case of this mom, the actual solution, besides doing anything she can to shore up and take care of herself in any other way, which I'm sure she is trying to do, would be for her to say to her son, this really is crummy. I do not like this, and I cannot imagine you like it very much either sometimes. You must sometimes feel tired of being with me all the time. You must notice that I'm stressed, and that must not be very fun for you to see me feeling stressed. I can't make it all right right now, but I want you to know that I'm trying to get what it's like for you right now. So you're really validating what your child is feeling. And why is that so important? Because then they're not alone. There's something for a kid about feeling like, all right, this situation is not good, but the grown-up gets it. And the grown-up wants me to know that they know that I'm going through a hard time. Something about that empathy and company is supportive to kids and actually strengthens our relationship with our kids. And I don't think we should underestimate the power of that right now. Part of the reason I'm so emotional, the kids are are back to school, but a couple days before they started, my son's teacher sent this video and said, I'd love for you to share this with your child. And I clicked on it. And she was saying, you won't be able to see my face, but I'd like you to be able to see it before you start. Here I am without my mask. And then she puts her mask back on, but you'll be seeing me like this. And sometimes I'll be wearing this face shield. And your desks that are usually grouped together, they're actually going to be spaced out. Look, take a look. Here's what it looks like. And then she knocks on something and I realize it's a plexiglass. And she goes, and just so you know, my desk is also going to have a plexiglass. Here's what the plexiglass looks like. It'll be around my desk. It's just to protect me and to protect you and to keep us all safe. But we're going to have an awesome year and we're going to learn so much. Oh, Rita. (laughs) So emotional today because I just, I think so many parents feel this sense of hopelessness. Yeah. So watching that video that your teacher made, your son's teacher made, was upsetting. Like that it was actually very hard to see, you know, and even though... I imagine she was being sort of chipper and upbeat through it. But I also thought it was wonderful. Like, I just thought, wow, my son really is going to have a wonderful year. She thought this through. I never would have thought, you know, a teacher might want to consider showing their face because they're not going to be showing their face for the the day. And I I thought, wow, how well thought out. But it did make me sad. Like, why am I so upset about seeing that? Well, I think this is probably a moment where there's a little bit of grace in that what The implications and ramifications are different through the eyes of adults than the kids. I mean, we will look at this and we're like, holy moly, like this is just a mess, right? That a teacher even has to make and send a video like this. I mean, we sort of think in much broader scope. I don't think it necessarily lands for kids like that. I think they're like, okay, so this is the game plan. (laughs) And, you know, what she did is wonderful, And that gets to something else that we have, I would almost say, like, in our toolbox for terrible times, right? I mean, I think that that's really what we're getting at here is, like, what's our toolbox for terrible times? 
So one thing is we feel with kids. We talk with them about things when we strongly suspect it's very hard for them. And we give voice to and make space for that conversation. The other thing is we prepare them. We let them know what's coming. And and here again, I'm going to, you know, sort of dig into my, you know, my experience as a psychologist, dig into my past here around what I know from very hard times for kids. And one of the examples that comes to mind is sometimes if it's necessary or an option for a child to attend a funeral, you know, there's always this question of like, should they do it? And the wisdom on this, you know, that has been handed down to me through the field is tell them everything that's going to happen. Tell them what they will see. Tell them what it will be like if they walk in, say it's in a church. What will they see when they walk in the church? What will the other people be like? Where will things be? If there's a coffin, where will it be? And so it may seem strange that the best thing we can do for kids in hard times is actually to give them a full and detailed preview. I think some parents feel like, you'll just deal with it when you get there. (laughs) But if we can do what your teacher did, like, okay, kids, here's what class is going to look like when you come in. It's not going to be what you remember. The desks are here. I'm going to be wearing a mask. This is my plexiglass. It really lets kids marshal their emotional resources and their forces to sort of, I hate to say it, but kind of brace themselves for the novelty. And the bracing helps. Um, It helps them to not have the problem of surprises, right? So often in life, like if there's one thing people really don't like, it's bad surprises. So there's bad and there's bad surprises You can get rid of the surprises piece by giving kids a pretty detailed account of what to expect, and they do so much better when they're confronted with that. You know, I I feel like my son has won the teacher lottery this year with this teacher, and I showed him the video, and at the end I said, you know, what do you think? And he said, do you think she's going to be strict? (laughs) That was his reaction to the... But I get your point about, you know, exposing them to what it might be like can help them deal with it and, and know what to expect. Yeah. And and it's interesting. We actually use the term intellectualization in psychology. Like we talk about a wide range of psychological defenses, which are effectively filters. They filter emotion. And sometimes when people say defense, they mean it in a bad way, like, oh, that person's being defensive, you know, or there are some defenses that really mess with reality, like repression, where you just forget that something occurred. But there's a lot of really healthy defenses that just let us confront the day-to-day and not be overwhelmed by it. And intellectualization is one of them. And so what she's doing is she's getting rid of the possibility of bad surprises and encouraging your son and his classmates to, like, use their minds to get ready for what's coming, you know, as opposed to just having it hit them with the full force visuals of walking into a strange space. And that's Mm. a real gift from that teacher. It really, I truly feel like it was such a gift. And I'm just surprised even going through this session of how it affected me as a parent. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back on the Ask Lisa podcast. So I'm really starting to feel it in my mid-40s, just how much stress, hormone fluctuation, and a lack of sleep can really affect the way your skin looks, from dry skin to dark spots and acne. This is why I love One Skin. 
they can really help. They've got a simple skincare routine that tackles skin issues at the cellular level. I love that this is an all-women team of scientists. OneSkin's developed a proprietary peptide called OS1 that's scientifically validated to actually improve the health of your skin beneath the surface. No irritation, no complicated multi-step routine. It's so simple. I really have felt the difference in how my face looks after using this product. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company by focusing on the cellular aspect of aging. OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. So get started today. Try it out with 15% off using the code AskLisa at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with the code AskLisa. And after your purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them the Ask Lisa podcast sent you. I was recently watching an interview of the wife of a world leader. And in the middle of the interview, she reaches over to pull her bra strap up. And I thought, boy, this is something all women everywhere are struggling with. This is why I absolutely love Honey Love. I have the crossover bra, which is just so functional, but it feels so good on. I feel like I've got the support without feeling like I've got this heavy duty bra on. I've been through all the bras. The elastic wears out, the underwire pinches into your skin. You have to hand wash some. You can only wash it in this type of detergent. And I just wanted something that takes out all the fuss and will support me day in and day out. Honey Love's not just supporting women, it's empowering women. So treat yourself to the best bra on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash askalisa. You can use our exclusive link to get 20% off. That's honeylove.com slash askalisa to find your perfect fit. And after you purchase, they're going to ask you where you heard about them. We hope you support the show and tell them Askalisa sent you. Honeys, you deserve this. Free the pain and discomfort and keep the support with Honey Love. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. We spend a lot of time teaching our kids please and thank you. But one thing I've realized I haven't spent a lot of time teaching my children is how to be financially responsible. We started using the Greenlight app and it's made a difference in helping them have that conversation about money and to really understand how it can affect their lives. Greenlight's a debit card and a money app that's made for families. I can send money to my kids, keep an eye on their spending and their savings. I didn't think I would need this app, but my kids are absolutely loving it and they're getting the concept of what it means to save. I love the lessons they're learning. I love the games they're playing. I love that they are being educated at a younger age that you need to learn how to save. Sign up for the Greenlight app today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash asklisa. That's greenlight.com slash asklisa to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash asklisa. Welcome back to the Ask Lisa podcast. You know, you mentioned psychological defenses. How do you use it to get through hard times? Well, it's largely what we would call an unconscious process, that it it happens outside of our awareness. And the way that defenses work is sometimes we're helped to use them, right, as your your son's teacher did, of like, hi, kiddos, I'm here to teach you about your new weird classroom, right? Like, that's what she's basically doing. Um, And at other times, and I was also thinking about this as you were reading the letter, What defenses also do is they're almost like emotional circuit breakers, that if we're having a pretty powerful emotion, usually a defense will kick in once it becomes, if it starts to get to a place where it's going to feel overwhelming. So it may be that we think like, holy moly, like this is really rough. What's going on? And I feel really sad for my kids. And I can't believe we're doing this. And I can't believe we might be doing this for weeks, if not months. Yeah. And What happens is that we'll often then notice that our minds shifts 
to something like practical or philosophical where we're like, okay, but what are we having for lunch? Or, you know, maybe my kids will learn and grow through this. And that shift into a different posture where suddenly the emotion feels a little dried up is just healthy psychological defenses. You know, kind of the circuit flips, the emotion cools off, we move into a more, you know, kind of rationalizing place or intellectualizing place or even humor. I mean, actually, humor is probably the most adaptive of defenses. And, you know, we're like, well, at least we will get through these leftovers because everyone's eating them for lunch, you know, whatever it might be. <laughs> yeah. and, and so I think... In our toolbox for terrible times, I like literally just made that up. I think, you know, we also have to remember we all come equipped and our kids come equipped with psychological defenses that do help to kind of filter through, you know, filter some of what's coming at us. Huh. You know, we talk about this feeling of helplessness. Why is it so important to name what you're feeling? For instance, feeling helpless, that sense of helplessness. Well, you just said, right, this is the core of what psychotherapy does. It's such a funny job to be a psychologist because my job is to help people find the right words for what they're feeling. And we don't know why. There's this magic that happens that when you have the right word for an emotion, somehow the emotion feels more bearable. And, and, and I can't even tell you why that works that way. But you just said helplessness, which I think is exactly at the heart of a lot of what people are feeling, helpless and hopeless at times. And in my years of work, I will tell you, I think helplessness is one of the least bearable emotions, right? If we're like guilty, we're like, well, then we can imagine we might fix it. Or if we're lonely, maybe we can find some company. But I have to tell you, people do not like to feel helpless. I mean, they really, none, none of us enjoy it. And one thing that can be useful is just to call it what it is, to just say, I feel really helpless right now. I feel helpless to fix things in the broader world, and I feel helpless to make life at home what I wish it were. And naming that can be useful and having the right word for it can be useful. Is it uncommon to go from helplessness to hopelessness? I think people can get there. I think people can feel like this is so big and so out of my hands and so um, unclear when the end date is that I, I think I'm watching people struggle to rally in these moments. I think so. I think so. What's the difference between helplessness and hopelessness? I think helplessness is sort of like, man, I can't do this right now. And hopeless might, hopelessness might be more in the department of like, this is never going to be okay. And then those, you know, they, they're probably fraternal twins <laughs> when we get into the emotions. They, can, they have a lot in common. So if you feel, Lisa, like, what do we do if you feel like you're falling into some sort of a pit of despair? Well, there's a clinical answer and then there's a more garden variety answer. So the clinical answer is if you or your kids are just feeling not just sad but depressed, you know, persistently down and struggling to come out of it, call your physician, you know, call a mental health clinician in your area. That is treatable. We can take care of you. Um, that's deserved. But I think a lot of people are like, well, I'm not there, but I feel terrible or, you know, 
frustrated and helpless all the time. And I actually have a story. It's kind of it's kind of a funny story actually about. Well, you did say that you know humor is a coping mechanism. Well, no, here exactly. So, so I want to hear it. <laughs> so I want to hear it. <laughs> okay. So here's what happened. Last fall, I was speaking at a school, and I was having I was hanging out with the head of school, who was this really nice guy, this big, tall, lanky guy. And somehow the conversation came around to the question of like, what's your dream car? Like somehow we got onto that topic. And and he was like, oh, my dream car, my dream car is a Fiat Mini. Like I always have wanted a Fiat Mini. And he said, I finally, my kids, you know, they went off to college and we could have a smaller car. And so I went down to the dealership and I picked out this Fiat Mini and, and then I had my wife come look at it. And she, he said, she looked at this little car and she looked at me and she said, you are a grown-ass man. <laughs> and he said, so I don't have that car. I have this, like, SUV I don't even like. And, okay, so this cracked me up just so much. So I oh, come home. so good. It was so funny. So I come home. I actually met his wife later that night, and I, like, gave her the nod. I was like, yeah, you know, good job, lady. So I come home, and I tell my daughters that story because it just cracked me up so much. So then about three weeks later, I... I had the honor of giving the pediatric grand rounds down at Cleveland Metro Health's hospital. So I live in a suburb of Cleveland, and um, the Metro Health Hospital is in this really especially windy and difficult area in Cleveland to get to. And I have no sense of direction. Like, I, I am really um, deeply impaired when it comes to spatial relations and getting around places. And... Um, Actually, that's something where I feel really helpless and hopeless about that. What? Yeah, no, I, I, I get lost really? going to places I've been a lot of times. Um, even uh, navigating on my phone, I don't really? trust it because I don't huh. trust myself. I mean, it's really um, harrowing for me in its own weird way. So it's um, the morning, and my daughters are still home. They haven't gone to school yet. And I'm like, oh, you guys, I have to go down to Metro Health today. Like, I hate this. Like, I, I'm sure I'm going to get lost. And also the parking situation is really complicated down there. And I was like, I don't. I was like, I hate this. I, I like. I'm like, maybe I'll take an Uber, you know, because I have to be on time for my talk. I don't want to mess it up. And I'm having like this mini meltdown in the kitchen. <laughs> and my younger daughter, who I think was eight at the time, she looks at me and she goes, "Mom, you are a grown ass woman." <laughs> <laughs> that is really funny. Yeah, and then she says, "Drive yourself down to Metro." <gasps> oh my god. And I was like, Oh my gosh. I'm like. She's right. Like, oh that was actually gosh. useful. And that's actually what I needed in that moment was, like, I was sort of having this, like, swivet that's of, like, great. I can't do this. I can't do this. And she was like, pull yourself together. So it's become actually this, like, running joke in our family, you know, that yeah. will offer empathy. And you have yeah. to use it really delicately. And, of course, not yeah. all families are going to use grown ass with their daughters like right, I do. Right. But then, you know, to sort of say, like, Okay, but you're a grown ass woman. Like, go do it, which is also a very funny thing to say to a very small now nine year old. You're a grown ass woman, right. um, but it it works. It That's actually great. works. That's great. And so, what would you say ultimately is like the takeaway from something like that? I think the takeaway is that we can have really opposing emotions in sequence, right? That you can go from I can't do this, I can't do this, this is too much, this is too much, to sort of rallying yourself. You know, the kind of like slap, slap, get yourself together, you know, and being like, okay, I can't do it. And I'm also a grown ass woman. Like, I'll figure this out. And I think I think that that sense of um, 
emotions coming in sequence one after the other is really important because I think sometimes the discourse and the conversation around emotions is like, you feel this. I'm like, well, yeah, you feel this one minute and then that the next minute. And that we need to embrace the idea that we are nimble emotionally and occasionally get stuck in a terrible rut, but often can throw things in reverse, back out, figure out how to get ourselves to a different place. And if we ever needed to harness that power, like now is the time to do that. Oh, I love that. That is a great story. (laughs) It's pretty That was a story I needed to hear today. (laughs) Fantastic. So grown-ass woman, what's your parenting to go? (laughs) My parenting to go, grown-ass woman, is (laughs) gratitude, actually. To sort of, again, back to our toolbox for terrible times. Um, We do have really good research in psychology showing that practicing gratitude does increase well-being. So when things are looking pretty dark and things are looking hard, there is true benefit in stopping for a minute and thinking, okay, I don't like a lot of this, but there are still many things that I am grateful for. And then making yourself name them and embrace them. Serena, what are you feeling grateful for? You know, as hard as it is to have the kids around 24-7, I'm so grateful for the little moments where I really get to see them grow and be with them in a way that I knew if I was taking the train at 7.30 in the morning to New York and back at 8 p.m., I would not have been able to witness. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's beautiful. So what are you grateful for, Lisa? Um, grateful for my family. And I do like, actually, being together as much as we are. I'm really grateful for coffee. <laughs> That's actually one of, my, one of the things in life that I just, oh, I just, I love it so much. Yeah. Um, and I'm grateful, this is going to sound corny, but I really mean it, for our listeners who are sending mm. in such heartfelt questions that are letting us get to very difficult topics that are not easy to take on. And yet we're here to try to be helpful and so... We're really glad that people are telling us the truth and giving us the hard stuff so that we can try to unpack it. I didn't think co-hosting with you would turn into a personal therapy session as well, <laughs> but you're just that good. You're just that good. <laughs> well, um, all right, grown-ass woman. See you next week. See you next week. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop. And send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And now a word from our lawyers. The advice provided on this podcast does not constitute or serve as a substitute for professional psychological treatment, therapy, or other types of professional advice or intervention. If you have concerns about your child's well-being, consult a physician or mental health professional. If you're looking for additional resources, check out Lisa's website at drlisademore.com. We'll see you next week.